This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the last podcast where we will come to you before the Chicago Cubs pitchers and catchers arrive for spring training. So I guess that's kind of exciting, Brendan. Uh, Not much has happened during this offseason. Everyone is still a free agent. Uh, but the Cubs are going to put on cleats and baseball pants and grab their mitts and sort of start playing baseball this week. So that's exciting, I think. I think we all need it, too. I think this offseason, especially the last few weeks with all these rule change proposals and just the negative press the Cubs have gotten, especially with uh, the recent uh, Pakoda projections, we need this, Corey. We need John Lester throwing baseballs. We need Kyle Hendricks. We need these guys to actually go out there and just start playing. Yeah. So uh, again, the the basic outline here is that the Cubs pitchers and catchers, I believe, have uh, Tuesday or Wednesday they need to report. And then Wednesday is the first full workout for those guys uh, with just pitchers and catchers. And then just keeping you kind of up to date on the schedule, the Cubs, at least according to their website, their first full squad workout is Monday, February 18th, and then they begin the slate of spring training games on the 23rd of February, a Saturday, against the Milwaukee Brewers. So that is kind Isn't of... Isn't that weird? It's weird how we're like two weeks away from facing the Brewers again. I feel like I was just yeah. watching them below that division like last week. It's just weird. Like the offseason felt as if it was so long, but at the same time, like I don't know if I'm ready to get back into this, you know? Yeah, I, I have. I think I'm ready for that. I, the The end of last year was a particularly sour taste, and I am looking forward to watching this team play again and not 
not performing like that. I think the first time we see the Cubs score, you know, two runs in a game, uh, I think there will be a, a collective sigh of relief from everybody, like a quick two-run home run in that first game. Thank everybody God. like, oh, what a relief. <laughs> They're back. The Cubs are back. Yeah, I know. And by the way, this spring, follow your favorite baseball teams, including the Cubs, to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 teams, 75-degree temperatures, all within 50 miles. There's so much to do and see nearby. Check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby, including tons of craft breweries like Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, and Goldwater Brewing Company. Also, explore the Arizona outfield. Hit the road and explore Arizona's urban centers, ghost towns, artsy communities, and quirky outposts. It's very friend, family friendly. You can go on hikes. You can go see the, the variety of different kids' museums. The Science Museum in downtown Phoenix is a must-see. And again, the weather is beautiful this time of year. I know you guys in Chicago, you've had those negative 55-degree wind temperatures. It's just, it, you got to go out there and see it. I'm going to be out there in mid-March. My family from Chicago meets me out there. It's a must-see. You know, if you haven't done it, I recommend just going out there and doing it. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. Visitarizona.com slash spring training. It's weird seeing pitchers and catchers report in three days. Like it just it's just weird to me. Again, I'm not particularly ready. Like I, I know it's kind of weird to say, but I'm not I'm not ready for it. I feel as if there's so much left to go in this offseason. It's just it's just very weird to me. Well, you're going to have to get ready, buddy boy. And I don't want to see those radar guns, man. Yeah, like I'm going to be, like I'm already, like my hands are already starting to sweat. Like I'm already stressing out about Hugh Darvish's velocity. I'm already stressing out about John Lester's health. Like I, I, I'm not ready for this. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting too because obviously with the slate of free agents still available, it's kind of hard to get a read on... You know, what we think of everybody, there could be some pretty drastic changes to the makeups of pretty much any team, I guess, at this point. Whoever decides yeah. to wade into those free agent waters, uh, you could have some pretty drastic looks for all of these teams. So it'll be interesting to see once, uh, you know, say we get to the 23rd and the Cubs are playing the Brewers, you know, how does the NL Central still look? How does the National League as a whole still look? You know, do we have... Uh, a new a new favorite do we have a new balance somewhere you know it it remains to be seen because as you know as we're recording this uh on sunday the 10th you guys of course joining us uh the on the earliest on monday the 11th we're hearing the san francisco giants name pop up with uh bryce harper an awful lot and that certainly doesn't mean he's going to go there but it's just i think an illustration of the fact that you know you and I are here talking about the Cubs reporting for duty in a few days, and you know there's there's new teams showing up in, in these. Right. We were talking about the Padres, I think, with uh, specifically Manny Machado a couple weeks ago, how they were you know seemingly just getting involved at this late stage, and you know now we're hearing of a completely different team, you know, jumping in and they're talking about doing a shorter term deal and. It remains to be seen. So, yeah, it's uh, this is just sort of the the state of baseball, I guess, which I, I, I do think is a good transition, Brendan, because I am almost positive that our listeners do not want to hear about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado anymore unless they are Chicago Cubs. <laughs> but they're not going to make these changes now. But I, I think interesting to at least 
mention because it was a huge point of discussion this this past week around the game of baseball that there's probably some significant rule changes on the horizon. They're not going to happen for the 2019 season, but a number of them uh, seem to be on on lock to become rules and become you know the the new standard in Major League Baseball. Of course, the I, I think predominant conversation was around the designated hitter, which uh, again, it does seem to be the foregone conclusion here that the National League will get the designated hitter at some point, and we will no longer live in the days of pitchers hitting as many times. How do you feel about that? Do you like that idea? Well, I mean, I, I think I tweeted something to this effect, but my first thought is it's a real loss for the game of baseball that, you know, children of all ages growing up with the game are not going to be able to watch John Lester hit anymore. And I, I think that, you know, if we're looking at how to grow the game, I, you know, I think that's a questionable move, of course, uh, depriving the world of, you know, such a a multi-tool world-class athlete doing their thing is... Uh, you know, an interesting decision. But to be honest with you, I don't really care. Honestly, of of a lot of the rules that they were listing, and there's a ton that they were discussing. We'll we'll throw around a couple of them. Um, the DH isn't really one that uh, draws my ire, I guess. Uh, in general, my preference is the way the National League plays. I, th- I You know, that's probably obvious. We've, you know, I grew up with it. So I guess I'm just sort of ingrained in that culture. Uh, but, you know, I guess I'm more of a, those are the nine guys in the lineup. Those are the nine guys that go in the field. Those are the nine guys that show up in, you know, the batter's box. That's generally how I guess I would prefer it. But I, you know, wouldn't go kicking and screaming if they added the DH. I don't think I would really care. Um, and jokes aside, you know, I I would be more than fine to not end up in those situations. I think there's been plenty, you know, there's always these situations where, you know, you, you, you get a rally going and unfortunately, you know, with two outs, here comes Kyle Hendricks. And, you know, not to knock Kyle Hendricks, but I, I, I understand the argument that, you know, it might be a little more exciting if that were just another hitter and, you know, you didn't have to strategize around the pitcher's coming up. Um, I think there's plenty of, I, I know that that's one of the, the quick comebacks is that people like the strategy. I think there's plenty of strategy that, that still remains in the game of baseball uh, without, you know, pinch hitting for the pitchers. So I, I, I understand it, but it, you know, sort of just seems like something that's going to happen. So I, I guess it's not right. one of those hills I'm, I'm really inevitable. dying on. Yeah. And you? Yeah. I don't necessarily like the idea of changing it next season, given MLB was discussing next, you know, three days before most of the guys yeah, were that recording was crazy. spring training. That was nuts. So I thought that was ill-advised uh, for MLB to discuss that. Now, it's possible that teams knew they were going to discuss that prior to this offseason, but still, it's too late to include a rule change of that magnitude. But this is why I like it. And I think it makes sense when you look at the state of baseball, what they're trying to accomplish. For example, there was one post I, that I wrote on CubsInsider.com that looked specifically at one-pitch outings from relievers. And if you look at the amount of teams who have the most one-pitch at-bats for their relievers, most of them are in the National League. And that's because the pitcher spot 
comes up frequently, and managers are forced to make decisions. And that obviously delays the game. It slows down the game. And that, that does suck. It takes away from the action. The second point is you look around the state of free agency, and a lot of these hitters, especially first basemen, aging first basemen, are not getting contract deals. So if you include the DH, you open up really 20, was it, 15 more spots open for these sluggers, so to speak. And it will, I think it will improve the, the funness of the game, I think. You add in more offense. I know people like the strategy like you were talking about, but there is still strategy in the game. So ultimately, what do you get? You get more runs. You get potentially faster games. You get, you know, I, I think a win-win from, from both sides. More action, faster games. You get more free agent signings. I like it. I just don't yeah. like the idea of doing that next year. Yeah, no, it was too early. I mean, you, you can't you can't have these discussions. It was crazy that there was even a moment over this past week where it seemed on the table, I guess, that, that some of these things might take place. Because if you're going to do mm-hmm. that, you have to give the teams the ability to go into the offseason with that knowledge. They have to be able to build a roster for the like the rules that they're playing under. I thought that that was a, a right. pretty wild discussion that, you know, we're, again, you know, three days from the the Cubs first pitchers and catchers reporting date. And, you know, they're talking about changing the (laughs) rules of the game. It's like, uh, okay, um, might've approached things a little differently, but yeah, I mean, you know, and look, like, I think I've, I think you guys know this about me, but I, I didn't, I never, I'm not a baseball player. So, you know, maybe that's part of it. I'm not like a purist, uh, where, you know, I grew up playing baseball and those rules are, are near and dear to my heart. So I, 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 you know, I understand that there's differing opinions on this and, you know, that a lot of people grew up with the game a certain way and, you know, they, they don't want it to change. But I think as we've seen with basically every other sport, uh, over time, these things have to change. And as the MLB looks at, you know, I think some growing attendance concerns, you know, I think we're all just going to have to get used to the idea that they're going to change some parts of the game in an effort to increase the fan base, increase viewership, increase, you know, decrease the amount of downtime, etc. Um, the the only rule that, you know, they're, they're looking at changing the mound, that they've got a few things uh, on the table here. I would say the only the only rule that really stood out and bothered me that I would like I don't know, Brennan, like parks and recreation style show up at a town hall meeting and yell at Rob Manfred about, (laughs) right? Like the only one would be that they proposed a three batter minimum for pitchers. Obviously, that would, you know, mostly apply to relievers, but I guess it could apply to starters as well. I I don't like that. I I don't like that rule um, for a number of reasons. And so that was the only one. I don't I don't know if you had an initial reaction to that one, but that was the only one where I was like, I do not like that. Yeah, I think there's ways. Again, the reason they're doing that is to speed up the game. So I understand the intention. Bruce Bochy is the reason that they're doing that, right? Basically, yeah, like Bruce, we all watched that playoff series a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, he was using four or five pitchers an inning. So, yeah, and it's, of course, it slowed down the game. But again, if you look at that entire series, by the way, which the Cubs won the NLDS that did. year. They did, and then the World Series. If you look at that entire series, the reason that Bochy did that is because, one, Madden loves his double switches, right? Like, if you remember back in that ninth inning, uh, 
I think Addison Russell was double switched out. You have Wilson Contreras coming in. Like it was a, it was a complete complete shift of the entire lineup because of that pitcher's spot. So if you eliminate that, I think you limit the amount of opportunities that managers have to do those one pitch outings or those rather those one batter outings. So I think that's where the advantage of the DH comes in. Now, if the DH never comes into the NL, which I think is inevitable, but if it doesn't, the the three batter thing sucks. Like I don't know, like that's going to speed the game up by what maybe five minutes or so. Come on, that's that's almost negligible yeah. in my opinion. And so not a fan of that. I I think that that is one where you know certainly the DH is a, a fairly drastic change, obviously from what we're used to, but. A three batter minimum. I mean, you're talking about that's a, a pretty serious thing for a lot of these relievers, and it would really change how they were able to be used. It might change their you know eventual contract status, and that's not to say yeah. that all of these pitchers are you know only able to come in and get a lefty out. But you know, just throwing a hypothetical out there for you, let's go back to last season and imagine that every time Joe Madden went to Justin Wilson to get out a lefty, he had to stay in for two more batters. Would you ever be comfortable with Joe going to Justin Wilson? And the answer, you know, is probably no, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, and, and I think it and does. That, and I don't. I think that my biggest thing is I've always been kind of from a manager's perspective, and even I would defend Bruce Bochy in this regard. His job is not to slow or speed up the game. His job is not to increase viewership. He gets paid to win games and win championships, right? So if he wants to use a thousand pitchers and he's playing by the rules, then go ahead. He should be able to do that. And I, and I just think that these kind of like arbitrary limits or restrictions on how you have to use guys would just be very, it would be complicated. And, you know, maybe this is one of those things where in actual practice, you wouldn't notice it. And, and maybe this is just, you know, kind of how it seems on the surface. Uh, but to me, it just seems a little problematic, you know, and I don't know if they had really, uh, deciphered all of the little nuances. I only caught, you know, bits and pieces of like the MLB network discussions of things over the week. And, you know, one thing that I, you know, you know, kind of thought of too is so, you know, we're in the top of the eighth inning. Brandon Morrow is protecting, he's brought in to get out of a jam and protect a one run lead. And the Cubs put up a 10 spot in the bottom half of the inning. Does Brandon Morrow have to come back out for the ninth to fit, face those other two batters? Or are the Cubs right. allowed to sit down their closer with, you know, a bunch of injury concerns because now they're up by 11 runs? So yeah. those are just the things that jump out to me. And I, yeah, I'm just, that was one that I just didn't like. I, I don't think that you should force pitchers to have to be in bad matchups. I think that a huge part of the game and, and all this research and, and analytics that these managers and, and coaching staffs and front offices do would be a a bit harder if, you know, now you're playing with these rules where, okay, like, you know, uh, St. Louis, right? You can go get Andrew Miller to get Anthony Rizzo out, but now he's also going to have to face Chris Bryant and Javi Baez. That's just the right. rules now. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't like that one. I If they wanted to limit the number of pitching changes, I think that's maybe a more uh, balanced way to do that. But I, I thought the particular... Limit on I still don't like that, not though, great. either. 
I still don't like the idea of limiting the number of pitching no, changes. No, I don't either. Again, it, you're, you're exactly right, Corey. I think one of the maybe under-noticed points when it comes to whether limiting pitching changes or limiting or rather restricting the amount of batters pitchers have to face, there are injury concerns. And you look at some of the yeah. at-bats from last season, and yeah, there are some times when like Rizzo, for example, had what, a 17-pitch at-bat last year? Right. So you're telling right. me if Brandon Morrow comes into the game and is facing a scrappy hitter, if he has a 15-pitch at-bat, he has to face two more guys right. and, and potentially you know, have to throw 30 pitches? Heck no. Well, I, and I to that point, that. Brendan, you know, how do you police that, right? Because if I'm Joe Madden and I give Brandon Morrow the ball, you know, maybe I whisper in his ear like, hey, get this first guy and then, I don't know, your ankle hurts, right? Like, and we'll come out <laughs> yeah. and get you. How do you police that? And now... I also want to point out, I would never suggest that the Cubs would uh, fake injuries or do anything like no. that. But I'm just saying, like, how do you police that? You know who would do that is Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle would be the one uh, <laughs> doing that all the time, right? And, yeah. you know, how do you how do you police that? If a team is legitimately protecting their player, you know, how do you police stuff like that? So, yeah, no, like— that's kind of what I was saying is like the DH when I read about that I'm like all right well you know whatever like get Schwarber in there like we're ready to go right now that's fine I guess uh honestly literally my first thought was oh I guess I'm off the hook for Lester hitting those two home runs and getting that tattoo (laughs) so that that's how much I you know really care about whether they do the DH or not but I I read the the three batter thing and I was like no 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 I, I do not like that and deep down inside, Corey, you want that tattoo. Like, let's not kid ourselves here. Like, you would die of happiness if you got that tattoo. You just need something to push you to go and get it. Part of me thinks that, you know, because it was somewhat orchestrated by at Cubs, you know, their official Twitter account, um, mm-hmm. part of me thinks that if it did happen, somehow I would end up meeting John Lester in all of this. Uh so yeah, I there there is a large part of me that is is sort of hoping that it happens because I've kind of convinced myself that, and he you know it would probably be for him to be like oh here's this lunatic that that did this, <laughs> but still I've sort of convinced myself yeah. that it it's it's a, a backwards path of being able to shake John Lester's hand and and thank him for all that he's done for the Cubs. So I guess I'm 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 fine with that. Just two other small proposed changes, one of which actually was not proposed, but one was proposed, and it is the pitch clock. So a 20-second pitch clock is still being discussed, mm-hmm. and that door is not closed yet. And so I wanted to provide some context for the, the pitch clock, right? So most guys take about 22 seconds to throw a pitch in between pitches. John Lester, in particular, takes 14 or 24 seconds. And then you have someone like Kyle Hendricks who takes around, you know, 15 to 18 seconds. He's a little bit faster. Personally, I like I understand the pitch clock. I get what they're doing. From a selfish perspective, I just don't want to watch a clock for three hours. And I think, again, this is a selfish perspective, and I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but this I don't want to be watching a clock every every 20 seconds. And then on top of that. I do think it's a little bit unfair to institute a change like that. Again, three, four, five days before most teams report to their complexes. And you look at someone like Lester and just the Cubs rotation as a whole, they are aging. And to force them into an uncomfortable position that they've never faced in their careers, even dating back to, you know, high school and college ball, 
That seems unfair to me. I would worry that there would be health concerns or health consequences of instituting a change like that so fast to the season. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I, I've read from you know some some people that that follow the the minor leagues and and where this has already been instituted a little closer than me that you know people have kind of gotten used to it and it's not really that intrusive to the game. But yeah, that would be my concern. Is you know you you know you have some of these guys like you mentioned, namely in the Cubs rotation, uh, John Lester, Cole Hamels come to mind immediately, who you know, they've been pitching for a long time. They've been in Major League Baseball for a long time. And, you know, now you kind of have this new system they have to abide by. And I think the the immediate concern would be, you know, is it safe for some of these guys to have to kind of speed themselves up in everything that they're doing? Or are they looking over their shoulder? I, I don't know. I, I it doesn't immediately bother me that much. I think that these guys would get used to it, and it it wouldn't be that big of a problem. Uh, but yeah. I, I I understand your concern, and and you know this is just one of those things. I think baseball more than any other sport really has such that strong sense of of tradition and you know the long standing way that that the game is played. And so I think that a lot of these changes are, are a little jarring to even even consider. Um, but I, I guess with Manfred and, and just in particular with how this all is going, I've just kind of made peace that they're going to change some things. I'm going to complain about the ones that I really don't like, which like that that three batter thing is is it for me. But I've I guess I've just kind of made peace with the fact that they're going to change some of this stuff and you know we might as well just pick our battles right if they want to start making the all-star game count for home field advantage again like that's a battle (laughs) I will I took up at the time and I'm happy to take up again but the pitch clock I think I'd be fine I don't I don't think that we would end up in a place where you know we were staring at the clock or it, it was that big of a deal because I I really don't think that they would want that to be happening. And I think it would be a problem if it did. And I don't, you know, hear that much from the minor league people that that's how it is. So I did. Yeah, it doesn't bother me that much. But I understand what you're saying. And, uh, you know, for someone that's always concerned with stuff, I think you're actually rightfully <laughs> concerned with, you know, how that would actually be implemented and, and the effect it would have on certain players especially with pitching numbers declining the last two years, I, I just would be concerned that institu- again, instituting a change of that magnitude weeks before guys take the mound seems unfair because you may have to change your, you know, your, your preparation resume. You may have to change your conditioning protocol and all that. I just don't like that idea. And then one other point, Corey, before we move on here, is the shift ban. So that was not proposed currently, but eventually it will be proposed. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. Again, personally, for me, I actually don't mind the the banning of shift idea. Uh, you know, you look around at guys like Rizzo and Schwarber, both of whom really had bad consequences from those shifts. I, I'm okay with that happening. And I'm a little surprised that was not proposed this current session. Yeah, I so... In all of the talks, I guess I'm not really sure. Are they proposing that basically the guys have to be 
in how we would envision a, a standard defensive set. You know, the shortstop is on the shortstop and third baseman on the left side of the infield. Are, are they banning something specific, like just guys, you know, being that like extra guy in the outfield, stuff like that? Like, where is the line for what you are and aren't allowed to do in these proposals? I don't think we've heard any specifics. Um, so I, I know it's kind of ambiguous right now to talk about, but just just conceptually, right? Like the way I imagine it is if you're throwing to a left-handed batter, the shortstop or whomever is on that left side of the infield can't cross a particular base, boundary. Probably. Exactly, yeah, second okay. base. Whether it's second base or you know further to the right or left of second base, whatever it is, that's the way I envision it. And then you look around at teams like Tampa Bay. I know Texas, I think, did it uh, last season. Where they have, and, and of course the Astros did it many times, when you have legitimately four outfielders there. Yeah. I, I I think that's, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like it. I, I, I Look, I, I know people really don't want to over-legislate baseball, and Madden in particular always says that, but I'm kind of irritated when Schwarber, you know, barrels up on a ball, hits no it 120 miles per hour, right at a guy in the right center field gap. That pisses me off. So yeah, I, I kind of want that panned. Yeah, I think it would just depend on exactly what the limits are. I, I think, it, you know, the the guy in the outfield, that like kind of fourth shallow outfielder, I don't, I don't love it, right? Like I think we've all watched, like you said, Schwarber or Rizzo barrel up a ball and you're thinking, okay, hit. And then they cut the camera, you know, to the outfield and, you know, there's, you know, some second baseman standing there you know, Travis Shaw, right? Or whoever the, whichever clown the Brewers are throwing out there that day. And you're like, oh, okay. Like that's not a hit apparently. And it, you know, it kind of takes some recalibrating of like how you've come to, to watch these balls off the bat and, you know, sort of your assumption that certain things are hit and, and aren't. Um, but like you said, I mean, I think the concern there is just over legislating things. Like it's, it's the same thing, you know, like scouting reports and defensive positioning and, you know, looking at spray charts and all that. Like it's a part of the game. It's been a part of the game for quite some time. You know, defensive positioning certainly isn't, uh, necessarily like a new statistic that's like just taken on in the last couple of years. And, I, you know, to this degree, obviously, right? But, but just in general, you know, shifting a guy over in, in the shortstop hole or something like that isn't, you know, some, some new theory. And so that would just be where my thought was is, you know, just what exactly are the terms for this? Are we saying that as long as anybody's, you know, still on the infield, you know, you can do whatever you want? You know, the second baseman and shortstop or third baseman, cause, you know, sometimes that's who it is, you know, can't cross over their side of the infield. I think it would just depend on what it is. But I, I, I do agree that it, that might be an area that they'd want to look into. I think sometimes these shifts are pretty ridiculous. And, yeah. you know, I think the immediate comeback to, you know, even just someone like Schwarber, right, is, you know, learn to hit the other way. And while I understand that that might be a counterpoint, it's not the best answer if you're looking to improve the action and excitement of the baseball game, which I understand is not everybody's first thought, but obviously it's not that easy, you know, for someone to be as productive as Anthony Rizzo as he is pulling the ball. It's not that easy to just decide, okay, well now I'm going to, 
you know, try to use the whole field more. Like that's not really that easy. And it might, you know, have some, some bad effects on the overall numbers. And so from Mm -hmm. a, you know, the MLB's perspective, the easier thing to do is, you know, these guys are getting what have been hits for a long time, you know, just like take away these defenses ability to, to get in the way of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm okay with that one. I, I just, again, you know, like you said, I wouldn't want them to get carried away with it. Like I, the, the worry for me is that, you know, we end up in a situation where it's like, you know, okay, like the third baseman, you, you can stand in, you know, this square foot of an area, you know, or something like that. And it, you know, it's just, that's going to get a little complicated, but if they want to say that, you know, Javi can't be standing in shallow right field in front of Jason Hayward. You know, that's that's fine with me if they want to sure. do that. Yeah, I, I think, again, I, I like to see more action. And selfishly, the Cubs have two big left-handed hitters, especially Schwarber, who got screwed the last few years. I think one important consideration is, like, baseball prospectus' new deserved runs creation stat, right? You look at that stat in general, and it tries to just look at what a player does from exit velocity and so on. And in particular, Schwarber had a higher DRC plus than Javi Baez last year, which is insane to think about, right? It looks wrong to a degree, but it does show to some degree that Schwarber was getting screwed. And for as much crap as Schwarber gets, he he would benefit greatly so much if the shift was banned. So, yeah. you know, there's pros and cons to it. I understand people's, they, they're, you know, the baseball purist, if you will. I, I, I understand those concerns and I'm not, I'm not, you know, bagging those concerns. I just want the Cubs to win more games. <laughs> I think if you ban the shift, they're going to win more games. Yeah. And, you know, again, like we're, we're in this era too, where, you know, you have a lot of these guys, like you, you teach them to hit the ball hard. You teach them to hit the ball on a line or hit it in the air now is, is, you know, more the predominant theory and hit it hard. Right. And, you know, it, like I said, it's not that easy to say, okay, now you're going to hit this pitch down the left field line. Now this one down the right field line. Like when you're facing Jacob deGrom, like it's not that easy. So, uh, you know, I think the, the issue that they're trying to curb is that, eventually, you know, with these guys just trying to do the best they can at the plate, it it gets easier and easier to project where they're going to hit the ball and thereby easier and easier for these defenses to have somebody just standing there, you know, and we see that a lot in these games where a guy will rip the ball and you'll go, how was he just standing right there? (laughs) You know, like, and that's how it's like, you know, it's, it's a predictable game to a degree. And, so I think the the balance they have to strike is, you know, we, we know that and we understand that and we, you know, kind of have to keep some balance for the hitters, um, you know, especially now as, as we get to, you know, you have all these prospects who are throwing, you know, 100 miles an hour like it's nothing, you know, and we're going to have a, a league basically where, you know, 90 plus mile an hour sliders and change-ups, et cetera, you know, quickly become the new norm and, you know, if these defenses are, are, are able to project this stuff like they can, the, the offense is probably just going to get worse and worse, um, you know, unless they keep slipping some of those juice balls in there. Right, Brendan? That's 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 one way around that. Right. Um, hey, you know, whatever you got. I, yeah. I mean, whatever you got to do. Like uh, but yeah. So interesting stuff with those rule changes, I think worth discussing because, you know, there was some really serious discussion going on 
this last week as to to whether those were going to happen. Um, and, you know, there, there really was some serious thought that they were going to be implemented rather quickly. So, yeah, just it's interesting to keep in the back of your mind. And I, you know, if uh, you're particularly averse to change, I unfortunately would try to get out of that mindset, uh, at least within the next few years here, because it's some of them are going to happen. So it's, they're going to happen. Yeah, like that, I, it, you know, five years from now, when uh, the new CBA, whatever is is discussed, I'd be surprised if there's uh, no DH in the NL. I'd be surprised if there's not some type of pitch clock or or game of speed regulation. And I, I'd be surprised if the shifts are not banned. So I think those three in particular will be instituted. It's inevitable, Corey. Not to speak for everybody, but it seems like the easiest sell of a lot of them, perhaps, because I think a lot of people are going to go, yeah, like I've watched baseball my whole life, and this is the general area the shortstop stands. This is the general area the second baseman stands. So fine. You know, like I think that there are a lot of people who are going to be like, you know what? This actually looks more like baseball than I'm used to, and that's fine. Like, again, I'm I'm usually, as long as they're playing within the rules, teams should do whatever they can to win the game. Right. Whatever yeah. they, they yep. whatever they think is the right strategy to uh, win the game. But I, I I do understand that this is kind of a new problem, so to speak, for, for the game of baseball. And I think that of all these changes, this one is actually taking things back to a more traditional space. Whereas, you know, obviously with the discussion of the DH, that's a, a bit more of a historical conundrum for a lot of fans of the game. But sure. we'll see. Um, so where shall we go next, Brendan? It's, it's interesting in these, in these off season podcasts, because, you know, there's so little, um, really going on out there. And again, we're not going to delve into the rumors. So I suppose, you know, one thing we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I, I do want to, uh, point out that we got another U Darvish update today. Uh, and he threw 45 pitches in a bullpen, this, this being on Sunday when we're recording this. Um, and really it's, it, it's just to say, Brendan, that, you know, I, you have to be at least pleased with the progress so far. And, and I know that, you know, there is obviously still concern there. And unfortunately, you know, with the way that that first year played out with the money that he was given and, you know, sort of the fact that it was him versus Arietta and, and kind of that factor in all of this, you know, you has lost some support uh, of the Cubs fan base. That's just the way it is. I don't think that's right. And I don't know why, you know, in, in some of these replies uh, to, you know, the Cubs insider post on it or, or Bleacher Nation's post on it, you know, you'd really think that a, a certain portion of the fan base is actively rooting against him, which I don't understand. He's on the Chicago Cubs. You should be rooting for him to be healthy and very good. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, he's he's lost the the support and I guess the buy-in from some of these fans. There's just a certain portion of the fan base, they're not going to believe it until they see it. But I, I just want to, you know, mention this because, you know, again, he's already there. He's, he's early in spring training. He's been there for a few weeks now, I believe. And 
this isn't the first time he's thrown. He's been on this, been throwing for a, a little while now, and obviously is is fairly far removed from the actual surgery. So things seem to be progressing well. And I think we've talked about where the Cubs rotation is, but, you know, you can go into the, this season with the expectation that he is the five in this rotation and anything positive would be really good because he's the five in your rotation or could be the five in your rotation. So for me, I'm optimistic about this. I'm not counting on him to do anything. I'm not going to go, you know, drive to Vegas and put down money on him to win the National League Cy Young or, or anything like that. But he's been throwing, he's been comfortable. There's, you know, no uh, sidetracking. There's been no issues after any of these. So I'm optimistic about this. You know, you get him uh, with Tommy Hadovy and all this, you know, data that all the, you know, that they're, they have available to them now, of course. And I'm optimistic about it. Again, I, 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 I don't expect the world for him, but I, I think if he's healthy at all and able to contribute, it will obviously be a big deal for this team. It's going to be huge. And this, this might be the third or fourth time I've said this, but Chris Bryant healthy, you Darvish healthy, the Cubs are most likely going to be the division favorite. It's just that simple. From the fans' perspective of you Darvish, I get it. You're disappointed. He's making $126 million. I totally get it. What I don't get and what I don't appreciate, and I've said this before as well, is labeling you Darvish as mentally weak. I'm mm-hmm. not going to get into it, but that's just an unfair accusation. And everything that you has done this offseason points to mental fortitude. It points to confidence. There was a recent video today where Hugh Darvish is interviewed in Arizona and he's expressing this tangible confidence. And I I think that's reason to be optimistic. So you look at the the current Cubs rotation, right? And you see, you know, Cole Hamels and Kyle Hendricks and John Lester, the big three. And you go into a, a playoff series and you're comfortable with that. Now, Add in a healthy U Darvish into the mix, and it completely changes the perspective around this Cubs rotation. And even last season, before the, the season started, Theo was getting asked, hey, is this rotation better than 2016? So those were legitimate expectations. And I think you can still have some of those expectations if he's healthy. So if he comes back, you know, I don't expect him to to be throwing 200 innings this year. If he gives the Cubs 160 to 170, I'm fine with that. My main thing is the entire rotation hopefully is healthy. And so by the time, hopefully, you get to the playoffs, and if the Cubs are so fortunate to make the playoffs next year, having a healthy U Darvish is going to be huge. And amongst all the different storylines this upcoming year, honestly, guys, the one I'm most excited about is U Darvish, because I really, I really, really, really want him to go out next season and just absolutely destroy all these narratives and go out there, look like his former self, be the guy who Theo described as the premier strikeout pitcher of our generation. And I think he has the potential for that. For him, it's a matter of health. Now, you know, I'm like you, Corey, I'm not going to go bet on that just because of the nature of these arm injuries. But at the very least, I am expecting him to be valuable. I'm expecting him to contribute next year. And if he doesn't, I, yeah, I will be disappointed. And I think if he doesn't, it will be directly related to his health. Yeah. And again, you know, for for even those of you that, you know, are more just disappointed in the contract and that, you know, he wasn't able to perform for the Cubs, 
you know, look, the guy's been working. You know, it's not as though he just shows up to spring training at the report date and, you know, goes through the motions. He's been posting on his Instagram this this entire winter, this entire off season that he's been, you know, doing the physical therapy, doing the rehab, doing the stretching, doing the throwing. So, you know, and, and, I, and I know that we've said this about Jason Hayward before, and these guys make a lot of money, so they should be doing this, right? But there's there's plenty of players in, in, in this sport and others that, you know, don't always put in the most effort to, you know, get back and, and, and be in a position where they're able to contribute at the highest level. And I think that, you know, even though sometimes these things don't work, you know, you can step back and appreciate like, all right, well, this guy's trying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they are trying, they do want to get back out there and they, you know, they're not trying to just, uh, abscond with, you know, their 20 plus million dollars. So, yeah. um, again, it's just, I think the main thing is he's continuing to throw these bullpens, continuing to throw and, you know, not reporting any negative signs or, or negative outcomes. And I, I think that that's the key for now. And, you know, as we head into, uh, you know, the, the reporting date here and, you know, we'll have like that, uh, whatever it is, like that 10 day period where they're just in spring training, not playing any games. You know, I think that uh, amongst a few other things is, you know, like you said, I think kind of the, the top storyline here. Um, you know, if they're not playing games and all we're getting is, footage of them throwing and, and taking BP and hitting in the cage and things like that, you know, we're not really able to see that much. We're not really able to gather that much information on exactly what's going on with these guys. So health is is really one of those, you know, the shape that some of these guys show up in, like, you know, Kyle Schwarber was obviously the, the talk of the town with his new svelte figure that he <laughs> showed up with uh, last year and, and his blazing new speed. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I think that, you know, that's really what you'll be looking at in, in this off season is, you know, someone like Darvish, like, is he throwing and, you know, does he feel good afterward? And as long as that's the case, you know, we can kind of just keep on moving and, you know, try not to really worry about that much. And then obviously just get to a point during the season where we're judging the performance. So that's, uh, you know, where things are. I, I, I do, Brendan, I, I, I send you this clip and I, and for whatever reason, I'm just compelled to, to bring this up because I think you and I are, our group of, of Cubs that we kind of grew up with is, is those like 2000s, mid 2000s Chicago Cubs. That's like where you and I really reminisce and, and feel nostalgic. And I figure, yeah. you know, since we're kind of just talking about a bunch of nothing really at this point, <laughs> um, you know, we could kind of do like a, a brief flashback if, if you'll all allow it, just something to reminisce on. And, and it's funny because I'm looking at this picture and this picture is especially funny from the post game, but I, I guess a, a little clue into the, the, the particular clip I'm mentioning, uh, the picture I believe Ryan Dempster has just saved this game or closed this game uh, as the Cubs sweep the Cardinals in 2006, Brendan. Normally a year that is off limits to discuss, but I, I think you guys will give me some leeway with this particular clip. Uh, but Ryan Dempster is patting Michael Barrett on the helmet and Jerry Hairston Jr. also giving 
uh, Michael Barrett uh, a tap on the shoulder. So that's the picture I'm currently looking at. If you if you want to know, uh, <laughs> sort of sort of the mindset, but it, it it's from uh, early April in 2006. It was a Sunday night baseball game. The Cardinals lead the Cubs four to three at Wrigley Field with Jason Isringhausen. Some just this whole oh this word. whole thing is just a name oh drop word name drop paradise, right? Ugh. And. Trailing four to three, Michael Barrett blasts a grand slam into the night of Wrigley Field in the eighth inning, and the crowd is up for grabs, Brendan. And it was just one of those clips where I was like, man, like I remember exactly where I was for this game. And, you know, I don't know how we had all been convinced that maybe the 2006 Cubs were going to be any good because they certainly were not. Well, at that age, you know, every year we assume the Cubs <laughs> yeah. are going to be good. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. I, I shudder to think of what Brendan, the teenage Cub fan, was like. That sounds like a real mess, but... Uh, it, it was a disaster. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I just watched the clip and I was like, man, like I remember exactly where I was and I remember going absolutely nuts when that ball... Left that Were you bat. at that game? No. Yeah. I was uh, I was watching. I was living in Arizona at the time. I was at my friend's house watching that. And I was going, you know, bananas. And I described to you, that was like the original David Bodie walk-off Grand Slam, right? Like against the Cardinals, Michael Barrett. And, and by the way, like Barrett back then for me, I, I loved Barrett. I know there's a lot of, I don't know, controversy around him or whatever. I know he got into a fight with, you know, Big Z, but... I loved Barrett. I loved his no BS attitude when he punched Przinsky in the face. I was going nuts. I loved it. He's one of my favorite Cubs of that generation, believe it or not. I think you, you might get some flack for comparing that to that David Bodie Grand Slam. I, I don't know, but... I, well, no, but what I, what I mean was at that time, like, look, you know, anytime you see a Grand Slam, a clutch no, Grand Slam... Like, yeah, against the Cardinals, too, for the sweep. But come on, that's, that's, that's one of the all-time moments of that mid-2000s uh, team, I think. Yeah, and, and just a fun—this this paragraph in this, like, Associated Press article uh, describing it is, is so—it's like nostalgia 101, I think, for, for you and I and anyone who, you know, at this point is now like a mid— to late 20s Cubs fan. Um, and obviously, those of you that are older certainly may feel nostalgic. What I, I guess what I mean by that is this is kind of like our childhood group. You know, some people look at, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Rick Sutcliffe teams or the Sammy Sosa teams. Sosa a little bit for us, uh, but we were still pretty young when he, he, you know, even was finishing his career with the Cubs. So like these guys are kind of what, you know, really hits us in the feel spot, if you will. But 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 this paragraph here, Brendan, with St. Louis leading four to three, Ricardo Rincon walked Todd Walker <laughs> to open the eighth. Isringhausen yeah. relieved and walked Derek Lee and Aramis Ramirez on eight pitches to load mm-hmm. the bases for mm-hmm. Michael Barrett, who homered for the second straight day a really great outing for uh jason isringhausen just looking at this he he walks uh lee and ramirez on eight straight pitches and then barrett hits a you know game-winning grand slam 
So a, a good outing for the house there and the St. Louis Cardinals. But Todd Walker, what a name. Dude, yeah. I loved Todd Walker right. back in the day. He was he Yeah, was, was a Todd was Walker clutch. guy for sure. Yeah, I remember, sure. I think he's the batter. I don't remember which year. I'm going to blank on the year. It might have even been the, the year that they go on to win the World Series. It's either 2004 or 2005, I would think. Uh, and Todd Walker, I think, gets walked with the bases loaded against the White Sox at Wrigley yeah. Field. And that was yeah. another one where, you know, just like absolutely losing my mind. What um, was that game? I'm forgetting too. I think Todd Walker, I want to say he was on first base. Someone hit a triple. And Todd Hollinsworth, on. brother, of course. That was Todd Hollinsworth you who bet. hit that? Well, see, that's 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 why we're a good duo that you remember that. That was against the Marlins, I believe. I believe well, I think it was Todd Hollinsworth. I think Todd Hollinsworth was involved and it was against the Oakland A's. Okay, the A's. I think yeah. it was like a green team. There is, there is an incredible picture. It's hard to find, at least if I'm uh, remembering. I, I haven't seen it in a while, but there's an incredible picture that exists or a moment that you could have captured uh, when Walker comes across the plate where he kind of stays laid out on home yep. plate with his arms outstretched. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell kind you a funny— like that Javi Baez uh, picture where he's like, you know, outstretched. Yes. I think Randall Sanders made that into like a jet or whatever. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, just like that. And I'll tell, you, let me, I'll tell you a funny story about that one, Brendan. Sure. Uh, do you want to know where I was when that, when that happened? You, were you at the game? I'm assuming you're at the game. Well, I was at the game. Uh, you were the bat boy, weren't you? No, 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 no. I, I was the Walgreens celebrity bat boy. That's what it was. I, but that doesn't was. mean you were actually the bat boy. You just like sat in the dugout for uh, pregame, like got some autographs. You know what's funny too? I told you know Mark Pryor to feel better. I think I've told this story oh, before. Oh, it's so sad. I'm going to yeah. start crying. There's a video that exists somewhere. I, I don't even know if my parents have a VHS player anymore. But there is a VHS of that broadcast. And one of the only things I remember is that they do the thing where, you know, Len at the time would have been reading, um, you know, here are today's Walgreens Celebrity Bat Boys. That was a really bad Len impression. But I can do Pat. I can't, I, can't, I can do Pat. I can't do Len. And, you know, you, you were supposed to wave at the camera. I, they must have had us do that for like five straight minutes. It was the longest period of just sitting there and waving and I remember, like, this is so weird. Like, this is so awkward. Like, how long we're just sitting here waving at this camera. But that's what I remember uh, from that day. And asking Jason uh, Dubois how to properly pronounce his Oof. name, which I don't know Oof. if I just did. I don't remember what his answer was. Oof. Let's see. Anyone else in particular that you remember seeing that day? I know uh, I'm looking at the roster right now. Some of these names are just insane. I forgot... That Tony Womack played for the Cubs that year. <laughs> like, <laughs> you remember Tony Womack? Like, I think yeah. they got him right before the uh, deadline. I don't, what or after what the... happened to? Because I listen, guys. I can assure you. I promise that when we sat down today, nowhere <laughs> were we like. You know what we should talk about? You know what people Tony really want to hear about? The two thousand five, two thousand six Chicago oh, Cubs. Dude, there are some bad names on this team. I'm, Navy Perez, Freddie, Brendan. That is on the list. Tony I think you Womack. know that. Cesar, you you cannot sure? say that on this oh, podcast. God, we will not oh, be talking man. about Navy Perez on this podcast. That is not allowed. Oh, that was a brutal year, man. Yeah, that was a brutal year. Oof. Yeah. Some fun stuff. But we've come so far. We've come so far. Think about that. You know, that was only a thirteen. Maybe years that's ago. maybe that was the point of this, Brendan. Maybe that's why that that aside struck me when I saw this uh, Michael Barrett clip. I, I think it maybe struck me because 
it, it's such a contrast. You know, we, we worry about this, this current iteration of the Cubs so much uh, while they're winning 95 games. And, you know, sometimes deservedly so. Uh, but it, ladies and gentlemen, could be very, very much worse than oh uh, than what we are, are are currently witnessing. Again, I'm literally looking at a picture of Ryan Dempster, Jerry Harrison, and Michael Barrett. So, uh, yeah, things. You want to talk about a bullpen too? Like <laughs> this, this is this is bad. So the guys leading up to Ryan Dempster in the bullpen. You ready? Bob Howry, <sighs> Roberto Novoa. Will oh, Oman man. and Scott Ear. Ima- okay, guys, imagine. Oh, Roberto Ima- Novoa. Bro, he was, oh, he was so, uh, distressed me to he hell out. He pitched, I think, uh, I think he walked in a, a winning run in Milwaukee at one point during my childhood oh, sure or during our childhood that it's, it's weird how, you know, we've obviously all watched so much baseball. It's weird how certain things you just so specifically remember and like they're not, significant some of them aren't good at all and i you know you could tell exactly what happened in these particular instances yeah yeah it's just weird looking back to you and seeing those like clips like when barrett hit that walk off or not the walk off the grand slam and it's so odd how much wrigley has changed and you don't even notice it until like you look back even you know seven eight years ago, it's just it's just wild like how fast things do change. And just to continue down this you know memory lane, look at the rest of the guys in that bullpen: Glendon Rush, of course, Glendon Rush, David Ardsma, Angel Guzman. Who oh, I gotta admit, Angel Guzman, like I was buying into the Angel Guzman thing. Yeah, I know there was some I bet you were oh big time man. I know there was one. I remember this so vividly. I think it was like a Carrie Muscat post back then. And they were interviewing Guzman. They were talking about his cutter, and they were like brought up Mariano Rivera, and I was like losing my mind. I'm like, oh my god, we have the next Mariano Rivera, and I just yeah, I remember those things. It's wild to think about. Boy, if that doesn't sum up Brendan Miller, uh, that little Angel <laughs> Guzman thing there. Uh, Come yeah, on. you you had a buy into the hype too. He was like the like the original top Cubs pitching prospect of that era. And Sean Gallagher. I mean, I don't remember being that excited about it, but yeah, I'm sure I was, I'm sure I was buying into, to the whole deal. Remember Um, Sean Gallagher? Like, I think, so Sean, Sean Gallagher for me struck a special chord just because he came up around the time Mark Pryor's career was like legitimately ending with the Cubs. So I needed, I needed to fill that gap in my heart, right? So Gallagher was my guy. And when he got traded in 2008 with, you know, Matt Merton and Eric Patterson and uh, Josh Donaldson, isn't that crazy how I remember all those packages? Yes. When he got traded, I was like devastated, even though I loved, um, you know, the, the deal at the time. It's just that was that was my guy. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't know what the point of uh, of this was. It just it just struck me. Um that video, I, I, there, there's a good Instagram account at Cubs videos that, that posted the Michael Barrett grand slam. And, you know, it just, uh, I guess it's fun to reminisce every now and again. We spend so much time, you know, litigating, uh, you Darvish's injury rehab that, you know, sometimes Jason it's Hayward's fun to swing. <laughs> just sort of, yeah, change, change the perspective a little bit. But I do want to finish that because I, I, I'm assuming that some may be waiting, uh, you know, w- with bated breath for, uh, me to, finish where I was on that uh, Todd oh, yeah, Walker that. <laughs> run score. So I attended that game. Uh, and I, I, you know, I don't know if he would get angry at me telling the story. Uh, but my father 
is uh, especially we were living in in Buffalo Grove at the time, so not exactly close BG. to Wrigleyville. And my father is a hey, let's go beat traffic kind of guy. Uh, so I attended that game against the Oakland A's in which the Cubs win on a walk-off hit. Uh, but I was listening to Pat Hughes in the comfort of, uh, my dad's car. Oh my God. On the way home. And I, I think he would be okay with me telling the story because, you know, things changed after that moment. Uh, that was definitely, you know, I pretty much for the rest of our lives, obviously, I had uh, a bit of ammunition to be like, oh, yeah, Dad, do you do you, you want to leave now? Are we going to Todd Walker this, you know, Todd Hollinsworth this situation again? And, you know, usually that works. It's like, yeah, fair point. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to end because I'm 100% positive this is going to end this fun little nostalgia run that we're on with one more note from this uh, Sunday night baseball game in 2006 where the Cubs sweep the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I, I'm just going to read this and then I'll, you can respond if you'd like, Brendan, and then I will sign off and we will get ready for spring training with the 2019 Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. Sidney Ponson allowed three runs on seven hits in five innings in his first start since signing with the Cardinals in the offseason, but did not figure in the decision. His lone mistake was a three-run home run by Jock Jones, his first hit as a Cub. Happy nostalgia, everybody, right? A little nauseous, actually. Um <laughs> <laughs> a little nauseous. I said it too before, but Josh Jones was a beast in uh, MVP baseball or the show at the time, whatever one of those games were. Uh, so yeah, Jack, yeah, that Jack didn't Jones, that yeah. didn't translate quite to uh, the performance on the field. Yeah, speaking of Josh Jones, though, then you can sign off. Like, I remember because again, I was in Arizona at the time and I was watching the Cubs play the D-backs at Chase Field. And Jock Jones like made this beautiful diving catch, and I know there's a lot of negativity around Jock Jones, but I, I don't know. I, I actually liked him when he was with the Cubs. I thought he was a little bit underrated, but uh, you know, I understand why people think you know Jock Jones wasn't the best. I totally get it. I can guarantee you that that's. Did you wake up today, Brendan, thinking you would utter the sentence? Uh, speaking of Jock Jones. Yeah, speaking of Jock Jones, Tony Womack, like, what am I doing here? How did we get to this point? This is this is the yeah. worst rabbit hole we've uh, sunk into, I think, on this spot. It was. It started as fun. I mean, I intended it to be fun. This was a fun moment in, in an otherwise awful season, uh, you know, in an area of some pretty bad Cubs baseball. So, I don't know if 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 I you know sent some of you guys cringing, and now you're in a rabbit hole of thinking about that awful Cubs baseball. You can go into YouTube, and if you type in 2016 World Series. I'm pretty sure those highlights will uh, cheer you up. Uh, or if you wanted to type in, I don't know, Miguel Montero Grand Slam. That's always a good time. There's a few ways if you really need a quick, uh, you know, boost in your emotional state. I, that I would dopamine boost right yeah, there. Yeah, I, I would just recommend a, a couple of those things, and uh, you can probably feel a little bit better uh, about your day. You could also, you know, if you were on YouTube, Javi Baez tag montage. I put a few of those together. I, I promise it will it will wipe away uh, any thoughts you're having still about Jock Jones and uh, you know Ryan Dempster closing and Jerry Hairston Jr. etc. So uh, 
anyway. Getting back to taking us back to 2019, and now that we're we're out of our little time machine there. Um, again, the Cubs show up for spring training, uh, pitchers and catchers at least, in a few days. And, you know, we will start to get interviews and, and pictures and, and videos of, of all the goings on. Uh, so you can, you know, certainly follow us on at Real Cubs Insider, the account on Twitter that, uh, mostly I handle. Uh, and, you know, we'll be sure to share, I think, most, if not all of the relevant stuff there. Uh, and, when we speak to you guys next, there will sort of be baseball going on. I don't know if people actually being in spring training is going to give the free agent market a kick in the butt that it so desperately needs, uh, but perhaps next weekend we will have some news or interesting things to discuss. As always, if that involves the Cubs, we will jump on in as quickly as we can to discuss it, uh, but I'm not holding my breath on that. And that's where we are. So the Cubs are, look, John Lester is going to be in a Cubs uniform in a few days. So, uh, you know, there's a lot wrong with the world, but that is one thing that is right with it. So we will talk to you guys uh, next Monday, again, unless something happens exciting that requires us to get on. Or if, you know, something happens when the Cubs hit camp and, you know, there's an awful lot to talk about, we'll, we'll kick in that, that two-a-week schedule uh, as soon as it is is worthwhile for everybody, as I've said before. Again, we appreciate all the five-star reviews and the comments in iTunes. Again, it, really every week, Brendan and I look, and, and there's more. Uh, and it's very nice of you guys to say those nice things. Uh, and it is uh, very nice of you guys to take the time to go into the iTunes store and do that for us. I know that pretty much anything with, you know, Apple and the iTunes store is a bit of a hassle. So we, you know, we really do appreciate you guys taking the time to wade through their, uh, you know, various forms and whatnot to, to leave us those notes. It's helpful for us. And other than that, uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, we thank you guys for listening as always. And whether they are just throwing bullpens out in Mesa or playing a real game at Wrigley Field, go Cubs. Little did I know that when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's terrific. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.